Social media in the enterprise is of crucial importance, but most brands, I hate to say, are not doing it well. We're talking with Evan Kerstell, who is one of the top social media influencers in the enterprise in the world. Evan's going to explain to us how to set a social media strategy and how to do it right. Give us a sense of, of your background and, and who are you? <laughs> well, uh, I spent about 25 years in the enterprise world in B2B tech from some big companies like Oracle and uh, Intel and others through startups. And a few years ago, I struck out as an independent to take my uh, personal obsession with social and digital to uh, blue chip clients in the enterprise and uh, really never looked back. So, Evan, when we talk about social media strategy, why is it so important for the enterprise today? Well, increasingly, social and digital uh, is where your customers live. And in this world of uh, digital marketing, you want to meet customers and partners and journalists and analysts where they are. And in this attention-driven economy, they are increasingly on social media. So it's about engagement with clients and prospects and customers uh, in a place where they're increasingly spending the majority of their time. And that leads us to uh, social media. What are the challenges that brands face when they're trying to do social media in the right way? People like engaging with people and brands come off as trying to as uh, sort of interlopers in this, uh, this social media discussion and um, have a tough time being genuine, have a tough time coming off as something else but salesy and pushing themselves and generally uh, find themselves lost in the noise. Uh, there are a lot of big brands throwing a lot of money at social and digital, and it's very hard to stand out, to get noticed, and to find a, a genuine engagement in this landscape these days. And so those are among just a few of the, the challenges they face. What is the key, do you think, towards to building an effective social media strategy? Well, content is the first step, uh, having compelling and interesting and uh, regular content that catches the attention uh, in a really meaningful way. And I think, uh, so it all starts with the message and the content. And it also starts with community. Uh, social isn't about, you know, putting press releases on the internet. It's about building a community of engaged customers, followers, employees, and management. And it's really hard to nurture and grow a community. And increasingly, those communities uh, are growing around social media. And so it's really important for customers not only to build a community on social media, but to nurture that community and to participate in what are hundreds of communities uh, across uh, the digital landscape. And so it's a little overwhelming, frankly, not just for individuals, but, but for brands. Participating in community, building that community, is that the heart of social media strategy or, or is it something, or is social media strategy apart from that? Community building and advocacy, uh, developer relations, if you're, you're in that space, is increasingly an important com uh, component, but it's a strategy that begins from the top down and, and meets the, the grassroots coming up. So it's no longer the domain of marketing communications or PR, 
But for brands, it means uh, uh, leveraging and energizing the entire company and its supply chain and its leadership and its management, its investors, and all of the various stakeholders that are out there increasingly visible and active uh, on social. So it's, let's say, a multi-pronged strategy. And to get it right or to do it well, you have to have all of those spokes uh, of the wheel in alignment. Evan, can you give us an example from your from your own experience working with brands of a brand that's doing it well or a brand that tell us tell us the the story of progression perhaps that you took a brand through in order to have that positive outcome well a, a more recent example is AT&T business which of course is a very old brand going back to the invention of the telephone literally 100 years ago um, and of course, AT&T Business is a, is a, a gigantic brand, a, a ton of success, a ton of visibility. Um, but even for big brands like AT&T Business, it's not enough simply to focus on paid media and uh, paid social. What's really required is to leverage an audience, an engaged audience uh, around their events, around topics and themes and keywords like IoT and 5G and health technology that are interesting and leverage channels that extend uh, their reach beyond typical advertising and marketing. And social and these digital platforms are tremendous enablers to multiply reach, to drive visibility of engagement, and to reach those journalists and analysts and influencers and prospects and partners that are increasingly social as well. So by working on social and digital, in a meaningful way internally and then even externally with influencers like myself, they're able to drive uh, visibility, engagement, impressions, uh, you know, 10, 10x what, uh, what they were doing otherwise. So I think that's a trend at the, you know, with big brands you'll see, and even smaller brands that maybe aren't getting their fair share of engagement and visibility are turning to social because it's a great guerrilla marketing tool or tactic to leverage for very short money, uh, visibility and and insight and opportunity in digital. Inside a brand like that, who is the the corporate or the executive sponsor that's that's behind the the broader strategy? What's well, interesting in in the past, you would have seen obviously marketing take take ownership and marketing communications take ownership of that activity. But I think that's extending into uh, this new area of influencer relations. You know, analyst relations, as you know, Michael, has been a part of the company uh, ethos for, for many decades. And now influencer relations and influencer management is now coming to the floor. The floor. And, and we're seeing uh, sales and business development and even the product house beginning to leverage social to get the message out. So it's really become a multidisciplinary um, multi-pronged strategy beyond just traditional Marcoms, which I think has been fantastic, often starting right at the top uh, from the CEO downwards. So it does require that executive level uh, sponsorship for, for this type of comprehensive strategy to work. I think companies that have proved most successful have a champion at the top. If you take Salesforce, for example, who aren't a client, but uh, is a good case in point, um, Mark Benioff is at the most, one of the most social CEOs in the world. And so by leading from the front, 
and set an example of tone and and content, he really rallies um, the troops around uh, employee engagement and participating in that advocacy uh, right down to the average worker there. So that's a company that's done a great job in social and digital. Evan, let's shift gears and talk about the social media platforms. What are the platforms that brands need to pay attention to today? And how should they navigate these these different platforms? Well, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but the platform strategy is really all the above. Uh, It's not Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter, etc. It really is leveraging every platform in a way that makes sense for them and for their customers. And you'll see a lot of headlines about Facebook not being suitable for B2B or, you know, Twitter, you know, not being suitable uh, for, for sales uh, and, and on and on. But, but really these communities from Instagram on to Twitter and LinkedIn, Facebook, and of course, emerging communities like Quora and Reddit and others are giant platforms um, with hundreds of millions, if not billions in the case of Facebook, of users and and subscribers. So it's important for a brand to leverage every one of those communities in a meaningful way. And even in the B2B tech world, there are ways that you can really make an impact with an Instagram and Twitter uh, and even Facebook, um, surprisingly. So the key is to keep an open mind and to practice the art of social and digital, not simply uh, discount these platforms because you don't have a, you have a hunch they might not work. Evan, can you give us another example of a company that is using these platforms in a in a multi pronged manner? Well, there, there you know there there are many. Um, I like to look at startups that through social and digital are able to generate a huge amount of buzz from the ground up. I mean, in our neck of the woods in Massachusetts, there's a super small company called Blue Force. And Blue Force Development is, is building IoT systems for first responders. And there are about 15 people. But by using social and digital techniques, they're able to build a community of firefighters and policemen and first responders um, that, that's really robust and dynamic. And frankly, it's, it's kind of become, a, for them, a grassroots movement around applying IoT technology to the first responder world. And they've done it through Instagram, they've done it through LinkedIn, they've done it through Twitter, and they've done it through a lot of content curation and well as content creation. So here you have a small 15-person company who are able to punch way above their weight class and get noticed and play with some of the big boys and girls like Samsung who are out there as one of their partners. So, you know, there are just tons of great anecdotes and stories, and they're all doing it for, frankly, a fraction of the cost of traditional media and marketing. How do they do that? How does a small company like that have the resources to punch so far above their weight as you just described? I think it starts with building a uh, a working group in a company of of folks who are willing to invest the time and effort required to to make an impact on social. I mean everyone doesn't have to be a fanatic uh, like uh, like I am, but you do have to invest many, many hours in the week to execute a social and digital strategy. So the first part was making a commitment to putting out content, curating content, engaging, 
and, uh, and generally participating in this sort of social landscape. The second is, frankly, they hired an influencer, uh, namely myself, to help amplify, engage, and spread the word on their behalf. So the combination of uh, outside help uh, and building a core team internally, it made it sort of a push-pull kind of strategy that's worked out tremendously well for them. We've been talking a lot about community and engagement. So let's turn our attention to these subjects. How can a brand build that community that's so important? I think the first thing the brand has to do is uh, enlist its employees. Uh, employees can be your biggest advocates and supporters. You know, many companies have you know hundreds, if not thousands, if not tens of thousands of employees who, if nurtured, and trained, and equipped, can step up as advocates uh, for the brand. Uh, the second is to build a a content marketing strategy that helps them get noticed with compelling and interesting and fun and insightful content uh, across not only written word, but spoken word, uh, video, uh, for example, I know you do very well, uh, and on and on, that helps them get noticed in a meaningful way across these multiple channels. And, and finally, it's having an influencer marketing strategy. It's working with uh, analysts and influencers across the social di digital landscape in their particular vertical or verticals that can make an impact. And many brands are waking up to, to all of those strategies and are starting to find social is, uh, you know, the key, the key sort of uh, spearhead of their marketing initiatives. What are the characteristics of successful efforts that actually do magnetize people in a particular audience group so that they become, so that they coalesce as part of your community? Strategically, it means identifying uh, the profile of your, your audience and really understanding that audience, which of course differs from Twitter to LinkedIn to Instagram and, and positioning yourself accordingly. It means meeting those, that audience where they are. Uh, typically, it might be in events, but also small events, meetups, might be large events like CES and pretty much everything in between. So it means being active and engaged and tracking not only events, but your, the keywords and hashtags that are relevant to your community and participating in the sort of water cooler conversations uh, that happen you know, around these events and key themes and hashtags and driving engagement and tactics like Twitter chats, for example, can be extremely effective. Uh, video like we're doing now can be extremely effective. At the end of the day, it's about driving awareness, but also driving traffic to your content, to your website, to your events, and ultimately to your salespeople. So having a strategy that links uh, marketing, i.e. social and digital, with sales and selling and sellers is also a fundamental requirement for driving outcomes. I think many people are kind of nervous or tentative about participating on Twitter. And so what advice do you have for those folks who want to build that community and want to engage, but they're not sure how to do it? Well, I think you find uh, folks who you admire and are interested in through social listening and really emulate what they do um, and how they participate and engage and sort of copy the best of them. 
and that's always a good way to get started. I think by avoiding controversy and politics and a lot of the nonsense that happens on Twitter and focusing on the 1% of you know, pure tech conversations is, is really helpful. And I would say, don't be afraid. I mean, I've been tweeting and posting uh, for over 10 years and can count on one hand the number of uh, negative, truly negative interactions I've had. So I think besides the headline of trolling and bots and negativity, there's a really great community there that is just ripe for engagement and, uh, and, and focus really on education and uh, sharing insights versus uh, the more controversial side of social that's out there. Evan, let's talk about followers. Everybody wants followers. Is followers the right metric even to be thinking about? Well, followers is a metric. I don't think it's the uh, primary metric. Uh, it's important to recognize that a follower is not a follower is not a follower, that uh, a thousand followers are not necessarily uh, uh, less engaged than someone's 100,000 followers. So it's very, context is important and it matters uh, more in terms of the, the, the type of engagement you're getting and the type of topics you're engaged with. I mean, if you look at your Twitter analytics, you might find you're getting way more impressions and retweets and mentions um, than someone with many more followers. So it's important to understand what you're trying to achieve versus simply focused on following gro follower growth. Although having said that, using some best practices in terms of tools, techniques, daily tactics, um, you know, it is possible to consistently grow your followers among other you know, key metrics. So there's a core distinction between followers and the engagement of those followers with your social media stream. Yeah, Michael. I mean, I suspect your followers, having known you for, you know, a decade or so, are, are pretty engaged with your content and what you're doing. And that isn't true for everyone on social. So it's really a function of sticking to a game plan, you know, sharing great content and being engaged with your community in terms of sharing and liking and responding versus simply going after a uh, follower growth at all costs kind of strategy, uh, strategy, which doesn't really mean much if in the B2B world, because we're in the B2B world, we're talking about thought leadership, we're talking about uh, impressions and website referral traffic and content shares, um, not necessarily followers. What are the right metrics? How do we evaluate the success of a social media strategy or social media program? I think there are multiple benchmarks. I think looking at website clicks and website referral traffic is an important metric. Many of my clients use a HubSpot or a, a you know Marketo or other tool to me measure the impact of social media on website visits and referral traffic. Uh, the other, uh, you know, the, the nature of the followers you're getting, you know, are they relevant? Uh, are they prospects? Are they partners? Are they analysts, journalists? And so there's, there's, there's really a, a qualitative assessment that needs to be made. And also outcomes. Um, you know, if you are engaging with your followers, it's quite possible to translate, to turn those followers into prospects through DM, through inviting them to briefings, meetings, events. And, and so the sort of the, the engagement side of social is, is an important driver of actual leads and return on investment. 
We hear about companies chasing what's called vanity metrics, and that's not the best strategy. So tell us about vanity metrics and what's that, what's that about? Well, this is very much a, a sort of business to consumer side. You know, in the ad world, all you care about is impressions. And um, while that's an interesting metric, it's not the only most important metric that you need to consider. So on B2B, it's really all about education, uh, sharing insights, informing the market about trends and opportunities, and sharing something valuable. And that extends beyond, you know, the sort of vanity uh, style measurement that exists in B2C. And, um, you know, the more meaningful interaction, content, and engagement uh, you, you can secure from social, I mean, the better it is for the brand and the better it is towards uh, an outcome. Evan, it sounds like you're always thinking about what does my audience want? So who is my audience and what kind of content can I share that they will find useful? And how can I make myself in, how can I make myself available to them through interaction to enrich their life, their experience? Yeah, that's very true. And, and thanks for that. I mean, the, the fundamental mistake many people make and brands make is that they really make their social account all about them. Whether it's personally, it's, it's, it's all about me, or whether it's the brand, it's all about my news, my products, uh, my, my data sheets. And that's a massive failure. You know, the key to being successful on social, to getting those followers you referenced, to getting engagement, is making it all about the marketplace or the latest insight, or the latest news, or trends, or tech trends. It's really making 90% of your feed about other people. And in the process of sharing you know, interesting, fun, insightful content, you know, attracting the kind of followers you're looking to attract. And I think if brands were more outward focused, versus inwardly focused, they could be much more successful. It's really hard for many brands to be outwardly focused because the entire concentration of marketing resources and attention is usually focused on, here's the new cool stuff that we have and we need to like get the word out. And it, like anything in life, it's a balance. Uh, I mean, there is a balance to be had and whether it's 90-10 or 50-50, Striking that balance for the brand is important. And at any given day, the most interesting news in tech is not going to be their product. It's going to be something else happening in the industry. So providing relevant context, insight into what's happening around them in the, in the tech space is what will get them attention. And finding, you know, sharing product and, and, and solution info is important, but only in a, in a, in a sort of mix of overall conversations. Evan, let's talk about influencers. Why, why is influencer such an important topic these days for enterprise social media? I think it's an important topic. It's, it's misunderstood. And, and there's certainly a negative connotation around influencers that uh, has really been well-deserved in, in many regards, particularly in the uh, consumer side of things. Um, Frankly, I, I consider myself a practitioner as much as an influencer. And although I'm not an analyst like yourself, I consider myself to have an industry background, a perspective on the industry, a point of view. Um, so when you combine my, my influence, quote unquote, with 
the audiences I have with my industry background, I think that's what's in, of interest to brands. You know, just having a large uh, audience alone isn't really enough to move the needle uh, towards those outcomes that you uh, referred to earlier. And so influencers in any vertical, in any industry, you know, in any, uh, any space across, you know, frankly, the whole economy now have the opportunity to bring their unique perspective um, and experience to the social digital world. And it happens my background in B2B tech is suited for a bunch of clients in this space. But aren't influencers attractive to brands because the influencer has that distribution? So isn't it in a way like the vanity metrics where we're just looking at followers here? Yeah, I think it, there's there's a continuum. I mean, there are definitely uh, people chasing uh, sheer numbers. And I think those are more tactical kind of one-off engagements. Uh, frankly, the, the client relationships I have and I'm looking for are learn, long-term, multi-year strategic relationships where I bring my point of view and industry insight with an audience. And I think it's the combination of those things that's important to me. But of course, there are brands uh, from Heinz Baked Beans to, uh, to uh, mainframes that, that are just chasing vanity metrics. I think those w- won't be successful in the long term. Uh, the ones who will be successful are those who look for uh, long-term strategic partnerships and relationships uh, with an influencer influencers. So how should a brand go about selecting, finding, and then choosing an influencer? I think there are many ways to do it. What I've seen successful is, frankly, through social listening, uh, looking at who's having conversations on a consistent day-in, day-out, week-in, week-out basis, and and really engaging with those individuals and building a relationship over time. And if you look at the clients I had, we've had, frankly, relationships on social, in some case for years, before engaging in uh, a contractual relationship. So it's important to seek influencers who have uh, an authentic experience persona that's relevant to the brand and can add value versus making a sort of hasty decision based on an agency or other input. What about the distinction between paid and unpaid influencer relationships? There's things all over the map uh, as far as that's concerned. I mean, I've done unpaid uh, projects because there's a win-win in terms of visibility and recognition. Um, I'm focused on paid work because, frankly, I can devote more time and effort to the relationship and to building, you know, a relationship with a brand. And the more uh, time I spend, the better I get to know them. Uh, I think the more successful relationships will be a win-win, regardless of whether it's paid or unpaid and that the outcome involves a win for both the influencer and the brand. So it's not sort of a one-way relationship. Um, And it's evolving rapidly. So increasingly, um, there are things like bartering uh, going on with with influencers and and other um, means of of payment. So we're going to watch this space and see how it evolves. Any final thoughts of advice on working with influencers? Um, I, I would just advise the more you get to know uh, folks on social and digital in your space, the more you'll understand the landscape and you'll understand sort of who's who in the zoo. And uh, I'd say don't rush into building relationships, you know, get to know people, build, you know, person to person 
style relationships and, um, you know, start small with uh, maybe a blog or a project or a video and then test it and then move from there. I think uh, it's it's in the interest of both parties to have meaningful, long-term relationships, and that only you know gets happens when that when there's trust uh, from both sides. So I think that that would be uh, my preferred approach, for example. And finally, Evan, on this topic, uh, are there ethical considerations regarding things like disclosure that the brands and the influencers need to keep in mind? Oh yeah, the FTC has has pretty strong guidelines now about influencers and influencer marketing. And so disclosure is now par for the course. And I think it's a good thing. There's been a lot of shenanigans that, that have happened in the influencer marketing world in the consumer side now for some years with crypto and other, other s- s- uh, schemes. So I think that now that there's a recognition that disclosure is fundamental, I think it's, it's good for the industry and good for the community of influencers. Evan, as we finish up, Tell us about the tools that you use. You're like a machine with social media. I mean, it's unbelievable the amount of content that you're putting out. So how do you do it? What's, what are the tools? What are the processes or workflows that, that you use? Well, it's funny. You know, there's, there's, there are a lot of tools and there are a lot of techniques. I find in particular, there's, there's not one tool. There's not one silver bullet that works. So I'm constantly experimenting with tools. Uh, frankly, there are hundreds, not thousands of tools for curation, for listening, for content aggregation, and on and on and on. So I find myself doing is being sort of a guinea pig for my clients and experimenting with tools and different techniques and tactics to, to see what works. And by experimenting with my own account, um, I can then you know make suggestions to clients. So what you see is an ever-evolving experiment of different tools uh, different modes of of social, even different platforms, uh, like whether it's like a Quora or a Medium or other 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 platforms, so I can become a you know sort of a, a practitioner, if you will, first when I when I make recommendations. So the the lesson is there's no one tool I I could suggest, but if you get out there and practice and experience firsthand and through trial and error, you'll you'll find uh, sort of a stack that will work for you. Can you give us a sense of some of the key tools you're using right now? So I love Buffer, for example. You know, Buffer is a great tool for sharing content cues, for scheduling and curating content, and it really is uh, an effective uh, tool in that regard. I love a tool called DrumUp that will find and curate content into my feed. Um, And I love Brand24, which is a great social listening tool and a tool you can use to, you know, measure outcomes, uh, measure impressions and engagement around keywords and hashtags across multiple platforms. So those are three I would definitely recommend right away. Okay, any final thoughts, Evan? I would just say let's connect, you know, whether it's on LinkedIn or Twitter or Instagram, come join the party. I look forward to seeing you there. Evan Kerstell, thank you so much for taking time to teach us about enterprise social media. Well, thanks so much, Michael. Look forward to uh, catching your next episode.